Oh yeah, man. Uh, we we just had some shit chat. I'm not even gonna pretend that we didn't start talking together, and this is like our first moment. But um, but uh, yeah. How you doing? How you doing overall? I'm, past past yeah, what I'm, we just established. Yeah. I'm I'm good. Hanging in there. Yeah. Getting getting my subs yeah. in. Getting my training in. Getting busy with work. Um. But yeah, how you going? Yeah. Yeah. Mean. Um. I'm not gonna go into me too fast because um I'll chat up a storm too much. I want to ask, uh, so you've moved to the mount and you're setting up the training setup and all that. Uh, you've mm. linked in that Fit Nation. Uh, mm. Like that's kind of official now, I'm taking it. Yep, yep. absolutely. Um, and you're doing f- in-person clients and online. You, you kind of did the wire where it was just online. How is that kind of teething period with the whole moving just as a trainer, I feel like yeah. that's like that's the the fear is that you're just gonna lose your entire business because you've moved. Hmm. Yeah, I I was saying to um, Hannah last night. I said it, it's strange. I feel like I feel like myself again starting to train clients um, in a space I'm working out of and not just working online. Um, but the transition's been super interesting. Like it was a it was a massive not a gamble it was a calculated risk but i think most people probably wouldn't have given up the in-gym client base i had in dunedin the last few months i was down there i was like by far the busiest i'd been since i started two years prior and then now i'm coming up i'm almost coming up three years that like my business has been registered and operating um and the last five months i was operating fully online which went really well but it's just it's hard because i'm not a big like i do like training people in person i do like yeah um just being there to really like cross all my t's and dot all my i's with my clients um and i'm not a big screen person to be honest i don't like to sit in front of a screen all day um but the cool thing is is giving up that client base temporarily down south it forced me to refine my processes and also just provide a better service um and learn and get better and because of that like i 100 percent can say that my actual service of my online programming is better and the process of it is better too and i've been able to build that while i was doing that full time and then now as i'm starting back my engine clients i'm already starting to pick up a couple clients and i've got a better online client base and processes and systems in place so and that's why I did it. I, I guess I foresaw that. Mm. And that was that was the calculation and the risk that didn't just make it a gamble. Like, oh, I'm just going to chuck away this real good earner yeah. and move and like have a stab. I, it was a bit deeper level thinking than that. Um, but yeah, it was, definitely, it was definitely a challenge. But now it's kind of worked out perfectly because I've slotted it, this new gym at Fit Nation here in the Mount, kind of, and it's worked out perfectly the timing of it my engine like client base is starting to pick up already um and i've also obviously got my online clients yeah. and, and that that i guess service of my business in the best spot it's been in so it was a calculated risk that has paid off but i definitely obviously had to yeah. grind it out and there's a stress yeah. that comes with that like prep i think it's more stressful before you do it than mm. actually when you're in it just going through doing the mahi um mm. yeah i i can definitely relate to that it's basically because i was thinking 
like how we in some ways did a similar thing where uh for me i've i've gone from being available around at the store like basically all day every day um Mm. for like yeah that's a few years uh to now being a few hours away and there's that stress of like the baby that I have like raised mm. the store baby that I've raised all this time is just going to crumble apart. Um, if I'm not there, and, which is definitely mm. not the case because the entire team, like Sean OJ, at least are awesome. And the customers are awesome. Like we've got a great community here. So it's kind of this unfounded fear, but um, I think it was way more on the prep side for it. Mm. Like to make a move like that is like, once it's done, it's kind of done and you just, doing some work to follow up but from for us at least it was it's kind of a complicated because multiple person operation but months of kind of prep and trying to like tease out where our issues are going to be and then and then just doing it and mm. things have kind of worked crazy smooth um yeah mm. And that's why I think change is like scary to a lot of people because it does take a lot. It does take a monumental effort. Um, and whether you're like moving away from the, whatever capacity you're moving into, it's it's new, it's uncomfortable. You don't necessarily know how it's going to go. Like I had lived and worked in different jobs in, D- in Dunedin for several years before starting my business. But I was moving up here with no network basically and I'd never even visited the place before. So that was like something that was a little bit, I wasn't hesitant on, yeah. but it was, it was changed, but I did find myself, I have to admit, I'm not a sentimental person at all. And I really, I don't, I don't ever live in the past because I feel like that's just an easy way to get complacent. But even I was going through some old videos last night and my clients down in Dunedin and there's just, there's probably like five or six in particular that were just super consistent and super awesome to deal with. And like, you just part of me just like, yeah and just but it just guts me a little bit like i wish i could have me down there at the same time still working with those people and then me up here like doing my my new thing you know but that unfortunately that's not how life life works and i feel i would rather be me like having a little bit of like a little bit of just i mean you get nervous when you make big changes it is a lot of work but i think it's always worth it because to me there's always been nothing worse than staying in exactly the same place in exactly the same position in exactly the same town doing yeah never really getting anywhere and i I don't knock anyone who that's their lifestyle that's that's fine but it's just uh, for me it's year on year and it doesn't have to be financial but i've got to be i've got to be growing or or making something or or learning something otherwise what am i doing you know yeah it's a weird um i think there's a bit of a uh, separation and maybe ethos or ideals um, between population. It's not to say what is right or wrong, but um, there is almost, for me, it's almost proge- progress addiction. Like I would almost go as far to call it addiction because uh, I have to really reel myself back if I feel like I'm, like if I'm not making the progress that I mm. wanted, then I have to really self-regulate. Otherwise, I can get out of control. But um, so that's a thing that I, I like. It's a thing to manage. But um, mm. I'd say there's the healthy balance when you're like you you enjoy the progress and want to push for things, but then can appreciate when it's time to 
just relax into a spot for a little bit and maybe do some recovery mode. Um, but yeah, I, I agree though. Uh, I could not fathom sitting in a job that is mm. the same like role. Just, just, you're just going in there to mm. turn some cash, maybe pay off the mortgage. And that's the big thing. Like in people's life, the big mm. thing is, oh yes, we're going to have our mortgage paid off in 10 years. Mm. It's like, it doesn't even mean anything. Like mm. you still have a roof over your head and like it's all the same anyway. Mm. Like it's, it's yeah. I feel like it's a it's the it's not even necessarily like the job or what you're doing. It's more just a mentality. Like if you're going into a sales job that's nine to five, but you're going in there to like get after it and be the the absolute best like salesperson in your workplace, and you're like going for it, and you enjoy it, and you're 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 pushing, mm. you're like hammering away. That's that's mean. It's when like it's it's the complacency yeah. of like I don't want to be here, but I'm gonna stay here anyway. Yeah. Because I would rather be like unhappy here than take the risk of doing something else. Yeah. Like it's not even it's everyone always goes on about success or whatever, but I don't even think it's it's, it's that for me. It's success it's is all bullshit. I I uh, I think the current success culture. Sorry, I just interjected real mm. hard. Um, all good. I think the current success culture thing is almost like this marketing generated image. Like it's it's actually made to sell things. It's got mm. nothing to do with people, really. It's mm. actually a business agenda to create, like, you must be successful. Because the corporate workplaces, for example, I know when I was an engineering graduate, we went away to, like, they flew us out to Aussie. They're giving us big steaks at fancy restaurants. And there's this whole, like, conference and you got all these other, like, 100 grads because big company. And... They're essentially like, oh, you can be successful and get to be a project manager and you can like get this status and this status. Mm. And I'm just the whole time, I'm just like, what are we even talking about here? Mm. I got into this because I enjoyed electrical engineering, not because I wanted the status of a project manager, mm. but that was the entire, like, it felt like that whole conference, which was meant to be a training conference, was actually a programming conference of you want to be the thing above you mm. and that's like i think it serves companies because it keeps people in that mm. they're chasing the cheese and then it serves well frankly like uh, social medias like instagram mm. etc because it keeps people like watching the guy at bali or mm. whatever dubai dubai is the hot one for the uk crowd like all, right. the, all the flash stuff and it's like, who gives a shit? Mm. I'll trade that for a, like a half a day with my boy anytime. Like, mm. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry. Where where were you going before I? I'm not really sure, but yeah. I did want to actually touch on something. So I feel like whether it's uh, like the fitness industry or even what you're talking on then about like work or business or. Um, just anything but in particular supplements i feel like um one thing that people get kind of tied up in is they just be, there's so much information like there's mm. so like it almost becomes like what do i do with all this information and i quickly want to read something it's from um dave wood who operates integrated training in auckland um and he's basically like a uh so he does like 
recovery, rehab, breath work, um, sort of training and coaching for a lot of high level athletes, but also has programs for, I guess, the general population. But he was sharing something this morning and he said that uh, information overload equals more disconnect and more confusion. The things that work are in plain sight. We just tend to make it incredibly convoluted because we can often look for complex solutions to relatively simple problems. If someone is trying to sell you something that is complicated, not simple to apply uh, and you don't understand, then it's likely never going to work. And I think that the reason why I wanted to touch on that is because, especially with supplements, and that's what I want to segue into, whether you're a new person walking into the store for the first time, or you're someone like me who's been honestly immersed in this sort of game and industry for almost 10 years, sometimes even now myself, I just, you get to the point where there's all this information and everyone's got these opinions and, you know, you're just kind of like at the end of the day, you're spinning your wheel so much, you end up getting sick of it and you don't want to do it anymore. And so I think what it would be cool to do is just, I don't know if you want to touch on some basic core principles with supplements or when someone comes into the store, where do you direct them? Are there, are there products that for most people are going to provide value and, and a good starting point, you know? Like, have you got any more insight than just, oh, take a protein powder? Mm. Yeah, I guess uh, we, we come from, we'll go from a more zoom back perspective first. Um, one general principle that I like to apply with supplements, both to myself and for customers and well, like just people we're trying to help out. Um, there's got to be tells uh, or some sort of indicators because I have very little value for a blind faith type supplement where it's like, oh, you just take it. You won't tell, you won't notice anything, but trust mm. me, it's good. Because even if that was the case, it doesn't work for lifestyles or human psychology, etc. No one is going to keep taking something that they cannot notice ever. Mm. Because those sort of things, usually they're like, you mean to take this for multiple years or at least multiple months. It's hard enough to get someone to take something that they really notice consistently for a month they're already wanting to hop on to something else. Like the number of times I get feedback, man, that was really good. Uh, I like, I'm loving this at two weeks in. And then, yeah, by the time they finish their bottle, they're like, okay, what, Mm. what else have you got? And I'm like, Mm. dude, like sit in that for a bit Mm. and really feel it out and understand it. Like the products that I use, I'm, I'm playing around with all sorts of stuff, but ultimately it comes down to a few core things that over the years I've been tweaking and working on. Mm. And, and then you refine that, uh, how that, like your understanding of your own biology and how that uh, interfaces with it. When people come into the store, there's a bit of an extra challenge involved though, because very few people come in to say, I've got $500 or $100. I want to get the best value of money from my supplementation as possible to improve my performance. We don't get that much blind trust sort of thing because they don't know us yet. They don't know to trust us. 
and and I guess the the secondary cases uh, primarily people will come in because they've got a problem that they need to solve, and so. And I think that's a good way to direct the supplementation. That is where you will get best value for money. And it's also where you can get good alignment of motivations that people will actually use the supplement properly. Because if it's a problem they need to solve, then they will they'll stick to it and you'll you'll probably have better indicators and better actual uh, efficacy um, or better function. Because uh, ultimately it's, I guess, if, if things are out of whack, then a lot of these supplements, they can be quite good at helping to indicate that whackness or support your body in recovering to its normal position. And it is always a lot harder to go from a normal position to a superhuman position. So going from a compromised position to a normal position is much easier than going from a normal to a superhuman. And that like you could say off the cuff it translates so well that's why pharma like or big pharma and the people doing research and spending millions and billions of dollars in research that's why they're looking to solve disease states to get people healthy it's not because they are uh altruistic loving businesses they're they're trying to make money Mm. and the easiest way is by providing uh, something that people notice and you've got much more uh, potency of effect when someone has an issue that you can solve um so i guess circle around someone comes in generally they've got an issue to solve we try to solve that issue um we try to solve it in a long-term sustainable manner though not in a manner of a classic example that's kind of on everyone's minds probably this last decade is kind of like the opiate solve or you know just blocking pain that's not a good long-term solve we're actually trying to recover and put people in a better position not Mm. just uh numb them to the issue how does that yeah for sure what does that look like when people like you you said obviously a lot of people they come and they don't know yet they don't trust you but are people often willing to like just take your recommendation or do people can be a bit hesitant if they've got a product in mind they're already looking at or they've got a way they're thinking of solving the problem and you recommend something different? What is what is the general, I guess, response to, to that? Fairly, it's, you could almost say polarized in the sense where you got your two camps. We'll have one camp. They come in. They think they know what they want because someone has told them that they trust or because they have done their own research um, and I, I respect kind of both points hopefully they're actually doing good research and trusting the right people and unfortunately more times than not in my opinion that is not the case um, sadly information quality and understanding of information quality is really poor and actually that's where we try to help people the most is that mm. Uh, I'm our primary goal in terms of helping people pick their supplements is actually just helping them understand how to pick supplements and like choose better information sources. Here is some ways you can critically assess. I'm not really trying to tell people 
take creatine because it's good for you. Even I guess mm. we say take creatine all the time, but uh, but it's a. Uh, but the ultimate goal is that logic processes and being able to think critically about information and think critically about yourself and how biology is feeling. That is a that's a universally af- applicable thing that goes past supplements it goes to all products and so that's what we always try to encourage in our customers um the guys that just want they just come in we don't have what we, they want we i i i leave them sort of thing um we we don't have a big push for the sale culture it's the opposite so uh if they're not interested in talking about alternatives it's like cool man like and we will actually point them to where the thing is that they want Mm. um because i'm not here to tell other people how to live their life ultimately Mm. it's just if people want our insight then we're here Mm. um and then there's the other card and often that Again, this will come from a referral. So someone else that I've trusted has said, hey, you should just go in and talk to these guys. And mm. they're helpful. And obviously, those are the people that we like as customers the most because I feel like I can really actually provide really good value to them. And mm. more times than not, like people think that, ah, now you've got a bit of a blank check situation. You're going to rack up a massive bill. More time than not, I think we save people money because we cut out all the shit that isn't really relevant and we can just dive into, okay, this is what we're really going for because it is genuinely trying to solve the problem. And mm. and I, I try to, I, I really try to reinforce this with all the staff and stuff and this is how we pick the people around us and people like yourself and Georgia recently is it's not about trying to sell sometimes help the people with their problems and we have faith that the ones that are the good types the ones that we that we want around us they'll support us anyway because we've solved their problems and they've realized that we're our sort of person um or we're their sort of person mm-hmm. um and you'll lose out on some guys like i i've spent like an hour doing research and then typing up an email answers and stuff like that for people like the number of times that you spend actually i know you do this too Mm. you provide so much value for someone and you give them everything that they need and then they just deck off and Mm. then the very next day you see some like oh thank you explosive for sending Mm. me the ping pre-workout and some fucking g fuel cans and i'm just like are you serious like why do you even talk to me if that is something that you see as valuable um mm. not to yeah no we i did just directly shit on um some products <laughs> that's, but that's a that's a clip we're gonna get <laughs> but uh hey look like their caffeine um i'm there is some merit to that but ultimately mm. um like we're in uh, the way in my head uh, we're in entirely different camps because if you just want caffeine, you can go get caffeine anywhere. You can literally go to a cafe to get a cup of coffee or uh, energy drink like that. That's easy. There's nothing fancy about a bit of caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've kind of lost where we got on that start, that's but so good. yeah, I'll, yeah. I want to, I want to ask you, um, getting into some products more specifically, mm-hmm. But what are three products or the three products you're most excited about that you have in stock at the moment? 
This is where some real biases need to be declared. Um, I am a part owner and like majority no, and part formulator. Um, there's a lot of consultation and talking between all of us for Nice Supplement Co. Mm. Um, I love our products. Um, mm. But our products aren't special in the sense that if you can get a high quality ingredient of the same ingredient elsewhere, then it's just as good as long as it's a high quality version. So... Mm. Things I personally are extremely passionate about in terms of is actually helping all life, NMN or NR, so NAD precursors. Uh, Cutting to the chase, they work very good on supporting mitochondrial health and metabolism things, uh, improving insulin sensitivity, long-term brain health, those factors. And cool so kind of circling back to what we're talking about like solving problems uh and not disease states because we don't do that with supplements we cannot legally make those sort of claims but what that is kind of working at is that when we're young we have something that's working at a really good level that keeps everything running like awesome it's pumping out and that's that's why my son at two years old has beautiful skin um but as we age, that that function declines, and then it's it's a there's not too much you can do about that. At least what we know currently, I should say, we don't have a, a root mechanism beyond overall just breakdown of uh, cellular functions from things like oxidative stress, etc. So. What this is doing is it's kind of injecting a bit of extra fuel. This is a compensation sort of factor. So you're putting in more fuel to compensate. And then hopefully what we're shooting for is to provide like a similar, like an 18-year-old or 20-year-old level of um, fuel for that one mechanism. Um, And I like to really emphasize this on, we're, we're kind of looking at one angle here. And so there's a million other things that are going wrong as we age. Um, so just this one thing isn't really, it's not the end or be all. Um, mm. But what I really like about it, and again, it goes to our other philosophies of looking for tells or indicators that things are good, is that the general feedback that people always come back with is like, oh yeah, I just feel like I have a bit more pep. Like I feel better i'm not afternoon slumping as much um both my grandmother and my father use it and have done for so few years so have i it's it's a it's a thing that just really supports lifestyle and feeling good Mm. in a general manner and not like altered or in a special sort of mind state it's just you just kind of feel like you can do what you want to do um Mm. so that's why i like nad precursors Mm. uh there's a long one. Um, personally, uridine monophosphate um, and probably everyone that follows anything to do with me knows that I 
love Yuri Morphosphate. I took 500 megs before this podcast, and that's probably why I'm going down these long rabbit holes. Yeah, I was <laughs> while I was waiting while I was waiting for you to get on. I was like, oh, I've had some like really early starts this week, and I was like, I'm feeling a little bit flat. Like I'm yeah. get up for it, and I was like, I'm gonna go pop a couple tabs, and I'll be right. Right, I was so I was up till 12:30 last night, um, doing international business, and this is actually part of the challenges of current lifestyle. And so, for the record, that is obviously horrible for sleep quality and long-term mm. health um sometimes i think you make sacrifices to do the things you want um mm. and i try to compensate with other things for example and i'm often in the middle of the day i will have a couple hours where i'm out in the sunshine playing with my son mm. and that is also really healthy and way more healthy than sitting in an office all day um anyway I was up late as hell last night, so I've got like six hours sleep. Mm. But uh, what I'm rolling right now is uridine monophosphate, 500 megs, ours, uh, rhodiola rosea, it's a high potency extract, um, our one as well. Uh, and then a bit of a custom stack that I actually make up for uh, Evelina, and I'm, I've got to make a batch for Column actually. Um, but basically, the guys that work for Strom. Um, mm. So this isn't actually a product that's available on the market, so it's probably a bad taste. But essentially, it's kind of like a herbal combination. It's got some cola nuts, it's got some yerba mate, it's got a bit of herbazine and um, citicoline. And so the overall thing is that it's quite mood uplifting. It's very mild uh, stimulant, like it is some stimulant, but it's quite mild. And because of that, it can kind of have a long, smooth effect and keep the mood good, really, like all day. Um it's actually a variation kind of of brain shot that I did um, back in the day with the bro over in Aussie. Um, mm. It's just a bit of a tweaked up version because it's just a formula combination that we've worked on for years. Um, so, yeah, that is how I feel good on no sleep. Mm. Um, nice. Plus blood flow. And mm. this is actually the new... Uh, it's the... Max Muscle 100% Pro series. It's the products that we're testing in the cave at the moment that just came in. These are also not for sale, um, but we're doing free samples for anyone that requests with their order notes and stuff, or if they come into store, just for mm. feedback. And um, and once we get the feedback on those, it's pretty old school flavor mm. for that. Like, um, you know, the old school pre. Yeah, because uh, mm. yeah, it's those flavor palettes. Mm. where the the flavors just there's something it's not quite right but it's like there's a i don't know if i'm right but you what i assume you're talking about is like the there's an art maybe not even an aftertaste there's like a i know when you say the curse like i know exactly yeah. what you mean it's there's a bit of a tang and it's almost bitterness that comes mm. through and it's something that all pre's just used to have but it seems to be solved these days but this is an old school brand that's just kind of relaunched and apparently they have not decided to move with the times in terms of flavoring um right. yeah i know it's a bit nostalgic actually um but uh, that's what i was gonna say like i probably wouldn't mind that to be honest yeah I'd be like, oh, it's the same stuff as back in the day like it's yeah i'm not minding it uh however it is uh how it, it's 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 like you're drinking chemicals, if you know what I mean. I generally, if I'm having supplements, I don't want the feel of I'm drinking chemicals. 
Um, and that's a very arbitrary line because someone like me would also say chemicals are just a classification of compounds and so forth. Mm. But you get the idea. Uh, it's it's artificially. Um, I'm going to send you some scoops anyway so that you can give it a run. Um, and that'll be fun. You can see how nostalgic it is. It's definitely nostalgic. Mm. Um, OJ actually, humorously, he came in this morning um, to grab some before train. And I'm going to out him right now. The son of a bitch didn't actually, I'm not going to say that. His mother is very nice. He's, mm. She's lovely. And how the hell OJ came from her, I don't know. Because he didn't read the label properly. He two scooped the stim and he one scooped the pump. It's meant to be two scooped the pump and one scooped the stim. But anyway, so he's uh, he's probably really going for it right now. <laughs> yeah, he's got a pretty good tolerance. So he'll be able to handle it. Mm. Um, it tasted horrible. And... Um, and he's got a support max neuro on him just in mm. case he starts frittering out. Because I was like, bro, you need to take the tub. And mm. <laughs> just in case. Um, so we'll see later today what um, what media comes out of uni Rick Jim. It's just like <laughs> it's just like this Irish Irish monkey like jumping around the gym, throwing weights at everything. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, he's been. Go- I saw he put up the uh, he put up a pretty good set of yeah. the his dumbbell ideas the other day yeah. i was like shit he's showing me up yeah honestly he goes he goes hard but when you see his legs and it, mm. he's like with his legs and back everything he's um thick mm. just thick all the way through for anyone curious there's oj lifts i think is this new tag sort of thing he's trying to like pump it out um i love it just because we've known him you know young lad he's 18 mm. known him since he was about I think just 16. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe he's 15 actually too. And he mm. had like really impressive weight loss journey. Um, so mm. was uh, obese as a kid. Um, but purely like he's, he sacked up. Let's, let's put mm. it that way. He owned his shit and he did it right. Like no glamorous. He just ate well and trained hard. And now he is like, a beast you could not be like a more like good athlete i don't even know how to i don't know i'm proud of you oj um anyway it's it's good you brought um him up in particular because it circles back to what we kind of started with about like too much information and Mm. like equals confusion and things get complicated and and obviously there is like there is uh I guess literature that's been done on supplements or training or nutrition and there's things that are fact and there are things that are pretty like common rules that apply Mm. but for example where he's at at the moment you know 16 17 18 and all you know the rule the rules are train hard yeah eat well yeah and have fun that's there's like three rules and and you know what's strange and it's hard to like really accept this i think for a lot of people especially when they're a later stage but the people in that sort of mind frame unfortunately seem to make the most progress and also have the most fun yeah and sometimes i wonder if exactly on the point that i made at the start is that what happens is we end up having all this information and for a lot of people that ends up restricting them from actually doing the thing that matters most and i think with building muscle tissue maybe 
living a healthy lifestyle is a little bit different, but in terms of like building muscle tissue, progressing your training. And I sound like real bro here, but yeah. like the number one thing is, is like putting the foot down in the gym. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where it's kind of happened along the way, but in the last few years, I feel like people are becoming more educated, but especially in commercial gyms there is this culture of like honestly not many people are like getting after it but the ones that do and that have simple rules and oj is probably a good example because his supplementation is is obviously really good as well he probably doesn't think super deep about it oj is actually um He's actually really, like, these days. So, early on, um, there's probably a little bit more like, okay, bro, just take this. Mm. But, because we've had so many conversations over the time, and he does mm. his own reading and stuff, and that's one of the things, like, if there's dead time in the cave, I try to encourage, like, guys are just mm. educating themselves somehow. Frankly, mm. I don't give a shit if they're educating themselves on history, on mm. on the world, or anything. But don't sit on your phone mm. just consuming just yeah educate yourself somehow and for whatever reason i guess because i'm always talking about ingredients with them they often like to educate themselves in the form of ingredients um, mm. which is great for us um i think so. as well it's super it is super important you're right in what you're saying but i think if you're working in a store and you're someone may come in and ask you about a product you need to have a a base level understanding yeah. of that product that, that person's going to spend money on if you don't that's a problem and and i've had this experience many a times going into a supplement store where people don't yeah um and it's just not a good i don't know it's, it's just not a good look yeah it's a horrible um thing oj actually goes around other stores when he's traveling he always stops by right. the supplement stores to like ask them stuff and yeah um <laughs> one up them yeah well he usually just lets them dig their own hole um right. and then leaves but anyway um it's yeah, in his case, though, he knows our range uh, in terms of, like, he's tried nearly everything. Mm. Um, he's he's had as much subs as I have, I could confidently mm. say. And his knowledge is definitely getting up there. Um, so he just needs to occasionally not get too excited. Mm. And actually, this is the good feedback for everyone, is read the directions on the mm. tub while you're doing it. Even if you're like, oh, yeah, I read it yesterday, it's cool. Because that's, I think, what happened is that we read it mm. yesterday and we analyzed it out. Um, and we'd even, like, we'd weighed the scoops that morning to check, mm. like, is the scooper, like, how much of a scoop is actually a serve? Because that's mm. commonly an issue. Um, and then, yeah, he just, you know, just sloppy things. But when you're talking high stem stuff, you don't want to do that sloppy mistake. Um mm. But yeah, that's fun. Um, so even yeah. one more product that you're excited about that you've got in stock at the moment. One more. Man, I was meant to be asking you more questions and you you, you <laughs> got me that. Dude. So yeah, this, I mentioned uridine is everything for me. Um, I just really, it basically, it just that's for work and not everyone responds as well as me. So I don't expect everyone to love uridine as much as I do, mm. um, but it has a very good motivation and kind of uh, you want to get your teeth and stuff and just stay mm. stay on it. Um, you've actually tried it now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. What is your 
anecdotal experience. And definitely, um, I would highly encourage a critical perspective here because it's too biased. Like our information on uridine right now mm. is too biased because so much comes from me and I have a very good response. Mm. I think out of the Nice Supplement Co stuff, it's probably not my favorite product. I feel like though, so I, I will take it pre-workout or if I want to like, like I took it before this. Um, I usually have a pretty easy time, I think, getting locked into things. Um, and saying that, I'm probably weird, a bit of a weird case study at the moment. Like, I feel like my head is all a little bit all over the show and my sleep has been a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. And, but the, yeah, I, I do enjoy it. Like, I, I do like having it pre-training. Mm-hmm. Um, but, for example, like, the epigen and i absolutely love you know yeah because i feel like that's solving a greater problem for me at the moment and that provides more value to me at the moment you know and i think so what you just did there is such a prime case study of how supplementation per person is so unique so Mm. uh there's the classic influencer thing of i take this you take this that's it's, it's not completely irrelevant to supplementation, but it's not a good way to pick what mm. is for you. The good way is to sample around, like to test out a little mm. bit. And in our case, we make that financially viable by doing single serve samples or mm. we often chuck in free samples and stuff um, because we're trying to help the education side. But I think it's important people pick pick your battles and pick the things that, are really making the difference for you. So for you, if the uridine is not the thing, it's like just because I love it mm. and I've built, frankly, like this whole business, I, I'm uridine is such a big part of my daily work input. Um, mm. Humorously, I find it very easy to get stuck in a rabbit hole and my teeth mm. stuck in something too. But the uridine just pushes it to that point I mm. really love. And that's probably because if... Uh, because I've got so many balls in the air juggling. If I let myself, I've almost, I've done it right now. If I let myself think about all the other things that are going on right now, mm. I could just, I would just be stuck. I'd just be like, mm. what do I need to do? Um, and sometimes uh, it's a good term, like uh, kind of rubber ducking. I'll, I'll bounce off ideas offshore and of like, uh, what is our priority right now? Mm. Um, in order to manage that. But, um, I think in saying that, it's probably fun and interesting. I believe it'll be two weeks tomorrow that I've been having the Z Max and the Uridine. Hmm. And that first week, I was like starting to train clients and I had like, a, I think I had three sessions at like 5 a.m. So I was getting up quite early um, and my sleep wasn't great. And my sleep definitely improved. But to be honest, I also noticed that my function during the day, especially after training, I... I recall noticing that i got through the week and felt a lot better than i thought i was going Mm. to and that probably was due to the sleep like being improved yep but then the uridine probably played a part in that as well yeah there could be some parts so one thing i like to emphasize with uridine is that it is it's somewhat of an acute thing and people Mm. that get over enthusiastic like i did probably two years ago you can do a bit of the um overstimulatory type or it's almost like a, a alcohol concept of trading mm. function now for later. 
So I like to encourage some moderation with uridine use, or if you're taking stimulants alongside it, you need to think about your dosing a little lower because otherwise mm. you can get a bit of a, I'm hyperproductive for two, three hours and then mm. crash and be barely functional that evening. Um, and this is where the nuance comes in that I, as we, we talk about it all the time, um, like not every supplement is for everything and not mm. every supplement is for all the time. And more is not always better. Those are probably like mm. the big three ethos things that I'm always trying to rub in. Um, but yeah, I think that's good feedback though on the uridine though, just to communicate that individual responseness. Um, and I've met a handful of people that respond as well as I do, mm. but we get a lot more people like yourself that are like, yeah, I do think I noticed it, but it wasn't a game changer. And when we have something like that, I think it's a, yeah, you could maybe keep playing around with it, but focus on what is really your game changer. Mm. Um, because it's a line uh, Richard likes to point out, you can only take so many supplements in a day. So I think like mm. this, there gets to a point where you almost get pill fatigue or, you know, all these drinks and mm. stuff. And then you've got cross interactions. If you're thinking about it, it starts to become this real juggle. Um, and so epigenin for you might be a thing better to focus on. Um, mm. Whilst for me, I, I actually do really like epigenin, but I don't use it often at all. Uh, if if mm. I'm doing well, I'll try to save it for the time where I'm like, I'm not going to sleep well tonight if I do not have assistance. Mm. Um, but generally I sleep well if i'm not being woken up by a mm. small child um, right. <laughs> um, um so yeah i think we st did you was did you make a third pick well i think so? no i didn't i guess so um <laughs> maybe go something not nice supplement co yes yeah thank you um third pick right now that uh i wouldn't say i'm crazy passionate about it but I think it is a good product and it's worked its way into my life more than I expected mm. was the optimized by combat fuel. Um, mm. This is probably almost a, you can see by these top three supplements that the gym isn't my number one priority anymore. Mm. Um, this is not like when I was 16, 18 and everything was about the gym optimized by combat fuel is a, it's a nootropic combination. It's got some caffeine. It's got some, choline it's it's just but what i like about it is it's very predictable very kind of scalable at different dosing you kind of get exactly what you expect and this may seem like a downside and it often is for most people but it's not too glamorous you don't take it and think oh man i feel on top of the world but it's very functional and those ones that are really glamorous, like back in the day when we had Skywalk, you actually get to have a poor relationship with them. If like you find yourself having to hold yourself back from having it all the time. Mm. And I don't have that concern with optimizers. Like a, I could take it or leave it, but when I do take it and it's appropriate circumstance, it's very useful. Um, mm. It's just the required nudge for kind of a daily task. I'm doing a lot of admin I just want a bit clearer head, a bit more focus, and I maybe want a bit of caffeine. Mm. Um, 
So I'm very pleased with that product. Um, uh, we could do a quick list of what's really popping at the cave with mm. other people, though. Pumped up V2 by Combat Fuel. The response on that's been phenomenal. We don't often get response on pump formulas that is so mm. consistently enthusiastic. So Combat Fuel are really knocking it out of the park at the moment for us. Mm. Um, otherwise... Let's think. Uh, I think they're. Oh, sorry to just interject. Mm, I yeah. think they're pre. Like I love their pre workout. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think honestly, out of all the ones I've had, and, and you know what, it's similar to what you were explaining with optimize, but mm. for a pre workout, it's not like I don't take com. It's like if I had hooligan, I was like taking hooligan on my legs training yeah. to send it. You yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> optimize. My mentality is not just to send it like. But I know I'm going to have a productive workout and I'm yep. going to have, I'm going to enjoy my session. And I just, I mean, the flavor, like I didn't, I didn't think I was really picky with pre-workout flavors, but I think just lately maybe in a bit more spoiled with the pre's I do have like access to, I do like a good flavor because it's just nicer on your stomach. Yeah. So it's just a bit easier to get down. Um, their flavors are really good. Um, we do this. And I, we do this to all the guys like yourself that now have options. Yeah. OJ has yeah. become so picky. I am so yeah. picky. Uh, as soon as you get choices all the time, you become a real mm. fuss bot. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah, and I just, I just think they I think their pre workouts awesome. Um, I think they're, I mean, it's not super like detrimental, but I like their branding. Obviously, it's similar. Uh, when you first stocked their brand, I was like, oh yeah, I guess like I work with a few combat athletes. So that kind of aligns yeah. with me. And I don't think I tried anything immediately. And I don't know if you kind of downplayed it as well. I think you maybe, I maybe. did. Yeah, I think you did. And then um, you downplayed a little bit to me. And then I went on their website and just had a look. And I believe they were um, in their pre-workout. The description was that it was like a, I guess it's a high stim pre-workout, but they kind of downplayed it a little bit yeah. as well. And so I don't know if it's because I wasn't expecting much, but I got it and like, I just, it's, I mean, right. Yeah. And I wanted a second tub as well. And mm. I just, I find myself as well. I want to have that most days and yeah. I've got, at the moment I've got defib and Stimumax, but I like most mm. days I have the combat fuel. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and that's one of those indicators that, uh, we really look for is that lining of, I find myself wanting that most days. Mm. Um, and that's often how we start. That's how I'm like sifting signal when talking to people all the time. Like what is really clicking here? Because just, just because something hit hard and was super euphoric and mm. like, well, uh, yeah, it was like crazy gym session. That doesn't mean that's like the most sustainable and thing that is good for their overall lifestyle. Mm. Um, and I think you're right, actually, Combat Fuel, I've got to be fully honest here. Like, I enjoyed, I thought they did a good job of their branding. Mm. Um, this might be a bit of a case of the, like, it's almost like my background mechanistic knowledge is getting in the way a little bit. And there's a li maybe a little bit of supplement snobbery where mm. I was wanting, I'm often very interested in unique mechanisms mm. that I'm not seeing everywhere. And those guys are going down fairly conventional lines, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I think many kind of formulator type guys would feel that way too. But mm. they've done an excellent job with that conventional. And mm. frankly, like there's a reason conventions mm. are in place. 
it's because it works yeah i was gonna i want to ask you so obviously like conventional ingredients i would assume are pretty easy to have access to good quality but we've talked about this before and we won't like name brand names but it's uh, to do with sourcing and i don't know that that side of everything in depth but my question would be okay you look at combat fuel and off the bat you're like oh okay the ingredients and what they're doing and their their strategy with their products is super conventional so you're kind of like meh but is it working well because the sourcing of those ingredients might be similar to like you was nice up and coas it's not like you've found this magical product that no yeah. one's ever heard of but your ingredient sourcing is better and the product works better because of that so i think this is a quite a this is a really good topic actually um because nice supplement co and us personally i guess people like to give us a lot of credit they're like hard oh, man yours is special and so much better um full honesty they're not that special they're just what they are like they they are what they should be and that's what that's what we're trying to do like it's what every product should be but um it's a it's a real sad challenge but uh often formulas and packaging and marketing uh and formulas just kind of being the conceptual formula i believe gets most of the focus and the building of a product mm. and then when it comes to sourcing of extracts they're just kind of like ah oh, whatever their contract manufacturer has on hand and the contract manufacturer is leaning mainly towards whatever is good enough that keeps our clients happy. And also, you know, they're juggling profit margins quite closely. And for them, any difference in pricing or availability of an ingredient could make quite a big difference to their business. So um, this isn't like poking an aggressive finger at manufacturers. I fully get it. They're playing a juggle. But their juggle is different. It has different reward systems than uh, the consumer or actually even a discerning brand. And so their juggle is, is it good enough that the brand is happy with what we've got? And we'll just kind of keep coming back. But for the most part, currently, marketing still sells products. Um, you could say it's because of lack of education, etc., there's probably a number of social factors that really just come into it. Um, but people are looking for quick fix things and marketing is how you communicate that. Mm. What we get though, is that if you make a good product with good formula and sourcing, that's how you have regular customers and that's how you build a stable business. And so this is where we see brands popping up and dying. It's like the supplement industry averages like a three year mm. brand sort of thing will pop up and it basically lasts as long as it takes for something to die it's mm. it takes a while um, but it takes about two to three years for a supplement to expire officially like on the thing realistically mm. they don't like these are things that are very shelf stable and will last next to forever but most ingredients i should specify um however for food regulations they can only be sold for a few years so you kind of get these hype brands popping up and down. Mm. Um, how we judge. So, for example, why am I happy with Combat Fuel to have it in our store and associate our reputation with them? 
that comes down to uh, this is somewhat behind the scenes business angle, so I'm not I'm not going to name names because I don't know how much mm. is publicly knowledge for for combat fuel etc. I don't want to respect their IP, um, but I know people that work on their formulas personally. I know uh, I know people who know their manufacturers, and so based off their vouch. I can say this is the level of quality that I'm dealing with. Mm. And so there's the, there's the vouch of um, someone I really trust saying they meet our standards and knowing that they really care. Um, mm. You can have all the paperwork and all the FDA certified facility you like. And frankly, that means a little. Uh, mm. it's, it's not nothing but it's uh, very little because anyone can fake paperwork. Mm. And as we saw in 2018, when there was like two massive manufacturers in America, very FDA certified, corruption happens and you mm. can pass whatever you want. Um, like as if regulation helps things, regulation does not guarantee things. And so when you're talking any product on earth, not food or supplements or anything like even say teslas and stuff what it comes down to is can you trust the people that are trying to ensure its quality and if it doesn't meet quality standards will those people draw the line and say we're not releasing that Mm. and with combat fuel within reason like i i have that trust um they're trying to build something long-term and they understand that in order to have a good long-term thing, they need quality. Um, They also have a big ethos around um, essentially like, uh, for example, certified for sport. Uh, Mm. Do you know the kind of tag? Basically Mm. it's it's this thing that everyone assumes is like, oh, those products are super quality. Basically it's like a, um, you're just kind of paying them a bunch of money per batch to get their little mm. logo to say that's all good. And theoretically they take a tub or so from each batch and test it. And whether that happens or not is kind of, it seems a little bit dubious is what mm. we'll say. Um, I'm not going to make any allegations, but, but they're testing for banned substances, not quality of ingredients. And that's a good thing to point. Um, so they're testing if it's got like, meth or like or yeah. pds in it but yeah. like it wouldn't matter if the uh, the the quality of sourcing was shit it wouldn't even matter if every ingredient was underdosed half mm. as much that's not what they're looking for mm. um so if you're the consumer and you buy supplements relatively regularly and then you see this brand this brand pop up that's like to do with your favorite influencer or this massive business and it's a or even it's an established brand that's been around for years and you're thinking, oh, some, someone so said their like, ingredient panels are quite good. Um, you know, they've got some reputable people behind the brand and you try their products and you're mm-hmm. like, well, these are okay. And then you might go and try a brand like we'll just use because we've been talking about it, Combat Fuel, when you're like, yeah, I really like these products, but like I never really heard of them before. I don't really know anyone involved in the brand. The K who just sells them and a couple yep. people I know said they're good. Is the likely reason you found combat fuel stuff good or, or just productive and like the popular brand that has 
what seems like just as good ingredient panels on it, could it likely be the quality and sourcing of the ingredients as a reason why those products work yeah. better? Yeah, I'd I'd put two two key things, and this this makes sense when you look at it from a product perspective of what it actually is. Uh, are the doses as specified, and are they? Uh, I'm going three things now, and are those doses actually appropriate to feed into biology as biology works, not as people like to market they work. Mm. Um, for example, appropriate citrulline dosing uh, versus over citrulline dosing or over cranking that nitric oxide pathway um, can lead to worse outcomes um, the second well the third would be uh, yeah it's, it's quality of extracts so things like um, for a long time so well back in the day creatine monohydrate there used to be a lot of dodgy stuff going on and then kind of after the 2000s like definitely through the 2010s you could talk to most people in the industry and they would say no creatine these days is pretty good um you don't really need the guaranteed quality types and then covid came along we had the massive shortage and then all of a sudden you saw a whole bunch more games popping up uh where companies are pretending or manufacturers are pretending to have the like the purity guaranteed creatines when they don't Mm. or the you've got uh spiking or uh, cutting it with just thing other compounds just to bulk it up because there was a shortage Mm. and so that's an easy case on uh it's it is a simple ingredient and for a long time we could be assured on quality but then when times change and things get tight quality can vary because uh people are trying to make money too much now they're prioritizing money over i guess ethics is what you would call it um then when so that's like your citrulline your creatine all of those that they should be fairly good across the board you shouldn't be too concerned when you come into herbal extracts that's where things get a lot more kind of complicated because it's it's no longer a compound that's just been synthesized um and actually the synthesizing of the compound i should mention if it's done improperly or depending on the processes in which they do you can get other uh it's metabolizes the wrong term but other similar compounds or um, isomers so the mirror images of the same thing uh and that can interfere with quality so there is actually a big thing of how that um this is a good example is L-theanine. Um, if it's manufactured in a certain way, then you can get more of it. It's like the same compound, but reflected. And if you have more of that, then the L-theanine isn't good or isn't as good. It actually inhibits the function. Um, that's D-theanine inhibits the function. So uh, how that's made is important. But then when you go into herbal extracting, then you're now talking about a plant that has been out in the weather in the real world. Um, You're playing with variables such as how much stress was it under, how much, um, how much sunlight, how much uh, nutrients did it get from its soil. And all of those things will factor into the bioactive components. Mm. And so I, I, it, 
it kind of come to with that is you just need to test those for yourself. In the perfect world, would be able to test bioactive components every time you just saw a mm. snoozing boy going past me. Um, uh, you need to test bioactive components every time, but it's not cost feasible um, per mm. batch. And so this is where kind of like we come in as we get it in. I'm looking for all these other signals that are more mm. feasible. So uh, grading of the product um simple like there's a million simple tests that you can kind of do where it's mm. like uh is this similar to the last one that was quite good um i actually encourage often people to crack their capsules open and just taste herbs mm. and if you do that a bunch you start to get an idea like um i could like i is that a gross? Lot of more. <laughs> yeah yeah it is right. um it's, most of the time it's quite nasty a lot of herbs are very bitter yeah. Um, but they have distinct signatures and you can, if you're really paying attention, some will kick off more at the back of your mm. tongue because you've got different bitter receptors at different places. I could pick Fedoja in any state. Like if Fedoja is in there, if that is mm. real Fedoja, I should be able to taste it because it has the most distinctive, it's like you want to chop your tongue out. Mm. It's horrible, but it was also a really good tell. And there's a lot of fake, well, not fake. There's just a lot of companies claiming to have Fedoja in their products mm. that aren't putting it in. Um, so there's a lot more variables that go into herbal extracts. And that's just where I think it's you need to trust that the people that are making it actually care about what they're putting in mm. and aren't just going to settle for whatever is said to be rhodiola or um we've we've had to throw out uh a, a decent financial impact worth of herbs in the past for something that i'm just like i didn't even need to do any testing or anything i could just mm. look at the color of it and be like this is not 90 percent of what it's claiming to be because mm. it should have been a very pale color and it was not and mm. the compound that is meant to be 90 percent of is white and so you can kind of do the math. It's just like, this is not what it is. And mm. so in that situation, the manufacturer or the supplier, they're just going to, they just provide heaps of paperwork and like stuff. And you, mm. you can, anyone can make a PDF, you know what I mean? And then sign it off. And what mm. am I, like, I'd have to go over there and check their regulatory authority and report. Mm. And then, you know, it's like, that's, it's never going to happen. Um, so in that situation, I'm going to trust my judgment and knowledge of those ingredients over some bit of paper that says this is supposedly what it's meant to be. Mm. Um, so those, those are the people that we try to look for to do business with ourselves. People that we know would chuck it out if it's not good. Um, does that? Mm. Yeah, 100%. I think that's something a lot of people don't think about. They just look at a label and they're like, oh, that ingredient, that ingredient, and the, the amount's the same, so doesn't matter. And it's like, oh, this is why it's important, I think, to look for reputable brands or like uh, whether it's like you're paying for personal training or you're paying for a supplement or you're paying for an accountant. If you pay someone for a rate and they don't deliver the value they promise on their rate, go to someone else. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. Don't keep giving them your money, you know? um, We could apply... So, applying the same concept, uh, when you're talking with trainers, um, obviously, you're a trainer yourself, um, and you're not... Like, you are vetting yourself all the time Mm. if you're doing a good enough quality service for your clients. But if you were to refer a client on to another trainer for whatever reason, they're just not quite appropriate for you, how do you ensure that trainer is good? Mm. Uh, Well, that's a real difficult one because usually that's something I struggle with because, for example, I had no... This is like... And everyone would probably say this, but I feel I am trying to be genuine. There was no trainer in Dunedin I could refer my clients to because I knew they just weren't going to do a good job as me. And that doesn't even mean that they weren't going to be different. They could have been different, mm. but I just knew that the yeah, rate mm, that my mm. clients have been paying, no, the rate that it's real simple. The rate that my clients have been paying me, they weren't going to get the same value for that rate from someone else. Yeah. So how do I refer, even if someone, let's say someone has a different style of training, that's fine. But how do I refer a client who's gotten used to my level of customer service and value I provide for X amount of dollars. How do I put them on to, how do I put them on, put them onto someone who's going to give them less? Yeah. I think, do you know what? There there is trainers around New Zealand. I would refer people to, so it's not like I just think I'm better than everyone, but I am, I am picky. And I think sometimes there is a trial and error process. And do you know what? I've hired, there's been two people that I've hired or that I've paid to help coach me. Mm. And like straight away within two weeks, like one of the person was just slack on comms. They weren't delivering on what they promised. And so I got in touch with them and I said, hey, I'm going to finish up because like your comms aren't just good. Yeah. You, they're not good enough. I'm not going to pay you this money when you can't get back to like an email when I'm the one chasing you up all the time because that's yeah. not how I operate. And also it's just... Not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, it's not appropriate. And, and that's what I would say to like, people buying supplements is you know don't just just because maybe one person's telling you oh this pre-workout's really good keep buying it keep buying it like don't don't like feel obliged and don't keep buying it and i think to be fair because there's been a lot of big brands that have taken the piss with their products and like um amino spiked or their ingredient sourcing has been horrendous and that's come out and those brands do fall off and like one big one is my fusion because like mm. five, six years ago, my fusion were massive. Yeah. And now they still have products out, but no one really buys their stuff. And they were one of the brands that was amino spiking. And yeah. So there's, I think it's good. Like it does come full circle. There's Gaspari. Are you talking Gaspari? Oh, yes. Gaspari. Protein? See, my, I even yeah. I even forgot their name. Yeah. Their I, name, I was about so. to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, well, frankly, it's just all you knew is my fusion. Um, mm. for so long too like that was the thing um i actually remember way back that was like one of the first proteins i had and mm. guess why i bought it being a young stupid and poor student is because it was the one on sale and cheap mm. did i get my money's worth i couldn't tell at the time um and it is harder to tell with protein but in hindsight i'd say probably not like i probably should have bought less protein uh or consumed you know got an expensive tub and had three quarters of a scoop instead of a whole Mm. scoop if the budget was so there so i think that's a thing to think about budgeting like if you are on a tight budget it is better to 
consume or use less of something that you can be confident is quality or with a or with a coach use a lesser service from them that you know is quality than going for the the budget mm. one because the budget one never actually gets you anywhere like mm. does it get you anything at all yeah and the the good old saying goes not all scoops are equal so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's damn sure, especially if it's half um, corn flour. Um, but uh, no, I don't even know any brand that's been half corn flour. But that, yeah. Um, I think uh, so. Here would be a question that follow on that though. So when, say, when you are looking for these coaches, someone says, say, coach over you, what are the key characteristics that you were looking for in them? Mm. Uh, communication customer service and a big i honestly i think a massive tell of whether a trainer is i think really about helping people and really about providing value is probably honestly their marketing their social media because if you go down someone's timeline and they've supposedly got this big like client base and they're earning six figures a year and they've got all these clients and making all this money but there's not a client in sight that's a massive red flag. And there's a lot of that around. Um, and what that usually tells me is that person's full of shit and they don't have really many clients. Yeah. Um, but if someone's a little bit more like client focused, you see, and, and not just like, not fake like client stuff, but like real people, like people who work real jobs, who are being genuine, but they're getting in the gym, they're getting after it, or they're making progress in their eating you know, that's a massive green flag to me because, you know, we're going to showcase whatever we think is important. Mm. And if someone simply is showcasing their face and their body only, again, if they're, if they're trying to be like an influencer and make a living off their socials, that's 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 great. But like if you as the consumer, you're looking for a, a trainer or a coach or a supplement store or whatever. You want to tell, is this, what, what is the actual service? Not, um, yeah, yeah. Because you don't yeah. provide yourself the service. Mm. You do yourself personal things. Yeah. And I think you just... It's it's where the focus is as well. Like, if someone's supposedly training these people or they're going to help you, but all their focus is on getting themselves forward, they're just not going to be putting the same effort and energy and level of, I guess, dedication into, into you as the client as someone who genuinely is focused on, you know helping clients because they know that's how their business is going to grow you know yeah and i think someone who's honest as well like i'll be the you you've said it several times in this podcast like and and i'll say it several times i am a businessman and i'm trying to grow my business and i'm hmm. trying to make money but at least i'm telling you that honestly and i understand how i grow that business and make money is by being very integral providing a lot of value and, and doing a really good job whereas someone's like oh, I'm so passionate about helping people, rah, 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 like, like, and pretending like they're almost doing it for free or like, I'm going to do an eight week challenge for free. Um, I hate to break it to you if anyone says that the quality of the eight week challenge is shit. And um, it's just for marketing. Yeah. It's to try and pull you. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. and again, that's all good. But like, it's, it's good as the consumer to educate yourself and be aware because that's how I think industries start to progress because what we need again in the supplement industry or even like in the fitness industry the consumer spending the money 
needs to try and be spending that money on the high quality products, the high quality like vendors, the high quality outlets, because those were the ones that will then survive and then stand the test of time and be here for the long haul rather than investing your money in the quick fixes to just keep pumping out shit product, you know, shit services. I think that's that's a great one. I'll reinforce like what we try to encourage, and we could probably say this as a we. Um, mm. I imagine you too. Uh, we're trying to encourage a discerning consumer. It's it's not just about my product is the best. I'm just trying to encourage. Here's how you can evaluate good products, and because mm. we have confidence in our product, we know that ours will stay like mm. stay the test of time. And the ones that don't. I received that feedback. I go, oh, okay. I've, like, I was clearly wrong. And I adapt our business to to the things that will stand the test of time. So mm. there's a reason why over time, like we don't keep in every brand that we've always had. And mm. there's many reasons why. It's not just quality of product, but it can just be business things. Like I can't. I can't do an order and expect it mm. to arrive within a bloody month. That's a really mm. big issue in my industry where I've got cash tied up, paid mm. someone, and they just don't send the shipments out on time. Mm. Um, so that could be a factor, but quality of product could be a factor and just, yeah, communication, things like that. Mm. Um, but ultimately, discerning customers, that everyone wins by that. Because if mm. there's more discerning customers, then they purchase better products and then the industry will move accordingly. Mm. And I like I was, I was saying this to Sean earlier, like it's, it's, it's sad and good in some ways is that the industry is improving in New Zealand and Australia. It's in some ways hard for us because now like we have to work even harder than we did two years ago. And mm. in a sense, like it is harder to say that, Oh, we're way better than them because a few years ago I could go around New Zealand and be like, I don't like any of the products you guys mm. stock. Like these are all garbage, but now I can go into stores and actually say, Oh, I would stock that mm. if, if you guys wouldn't undercut me on price, um, <laughs> constantly. Mm. Um, and we're on the business feasibility of it. But there are actually good products out there in New Zealand and mm. uh, the same trainers. There are good trainers out there um, in New Zealand and Australia. And I think it is getting better. It's just mm. there is also still, and there always probably will be, a lot of shit that you have mm. to cut through in order to get to those good ones. Mm. I feel like at the moment, this season and the next two years in our industry is going to be like the thinning. Like... It's, it's literally like my slogan's only for the strong. It's literally going to be only for the strong yeah. because like things are, you do have to work harder to get just as much. But the good thing about that is it's going to weed out the, the weak ones and the oh. people are full of shit. And I think in a couple of years time, the industry and just the businesses who stand, I guess the test of time are going to be in a much stronger place. Um, and, and you said it just before, like the reason why we want discerning customers because it's better for everyone and me only my business what i want is if someone comes to me and they're like hey i haven't really ever had supplements but i want to try some uh where should i go and what should i take i want them to go buy like a a quality product that they're actually going to benefit from because then that's going to benefit their training and the rest of their their health and their lifestyle 
and it's going to be more likely that they will keep training with me, that they're going to keep taking supplements, that they're going to keep seeing, you know, value. And then they're going to be, continue to live the sort of lifestyle that involves our industry for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, rather than they come train with me, it's great, but then they took some supplements, they were rubbish, you know, they moved somewhere else, got another trainer, Mm. that person was rubbish. And so they just, they're like, oh, why am I spending so much money and time and effort doing this stuff? I'll just go back to playing footy once a week you know yeah i think um th- and that's a good thing is that uh, providing value so as a service even if you're providing value in a sense of just recommending an adjacent service your reputation's on the line there uh and also if you can provide it well then you've solved a problem for them and in theory someone that is having their problem solved by you they'll the good types will appreciate mm. it and hang around um like that's that's like a whole thing is that and the ones that don't don't want you around anyway like it's <laughs> because you can't appreciate a good thing when you've got it um and that's that's when i need to find a psychologist that i can refer them to mm. and have some talk therapy and maybe work out their life problems uh, <laughs> but um yeah i think um i think it's interesting on the training side i I like your optimism around that. And I do, I think I agree, especially on the training side, Mm. specifically for New Zealand and Australia on the uh, supplementation and actually all, uh, because there's a whole, there's a whole new regulation actually rolling through it theoretically this year under Mm. the election, probably most people won't really see it because it'll be too focused on election stuff, but there is meant to be a massive, kind of therapeutic goods and products bill going through Mm. and depending uh not to be pessimistic but depending on how they do it and the way it's kind of looking like they're doing it it's going to favor people that can or businesses that can bankroll quite hard Mm. so you discount chemists and things that do high volume and have a lot of capital behind them Mm. it will favor that quite hard so for us we're we're actually and in a very aggressive preparation stage to try and make sure that we can handle the storm. So poor business operators, doesn't matter if they've got good or bad products, poor business operators are going down because we're about to go through a big change. But it's not necessarily going to sift for good quality products. That's not really what mm. this bill is achieving, in my opinion. Uh, what it's achieving is those that can't adapt and those that don't have enough money to simply pay flat registrations and taxes on things, those products won't hang around. So um, this could be like canary in the coal mine for people. The products that we have that we only sell 20 tubs of a year, it doesn't matter how much I love them. If we cannot get enough volume on sales on it, then we can't stock it because I will run it at a loss and then I'll bleed our business into the ground. So for us, we have to find the products that are really solving people's problems and we can solve enough people's problems that it doesn't run negative because we're funneling all our money into the government regulation fees. Mm. Um, and so I think that's that's going to be really, for the supplement industry side, that's going to be a really difficult, turbulent time. I think we've we've been watching this and trying to prepare long enough that we will be ready it's not going to be easy but it's going to be doable in my Mm. opinion um but a lot of stores are going to go down 
there's no doubt about that. If you are not a operator prepared, you cannot handle that. Like, you actually need to look at your data and understand what's selling and stuff like that and where you're going to spend your money and plan in advance quite heavily. Mm. Well, that's why I feel like a couple of years ago, it seemed like everyone wanted to open a supplement store and now it's not so much like that, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I think, well, people realize it's not as easy as they think. Because everyone, mm. like, the number of messages, I probably get a message every day saying, can you get this brand in? And I would love to be able to help everyone like mm. everyone likes to help it just feels mm. good but it's not as easy as just getting that brand in mm. um there's a lot of things to jump through and we're probably we're more flexible and adaptable than many businesses are because we've got mm. a small structure like we don't we don't have a whole bunch of bureaucracy and approvals mm. and stuff we have to go through um but that is about to get a lot harder and mm. so um so yeah yeah supplement and anything to do with health foods and stuff like that is is all gonna and and pharmacy too like uh mm. we'll probably see the independent pharmacy like small pharmacies that is just a mom and pop owned that probably won't survive uh mm. not unless they get all their stuff through local distributors and then in that case they'll have no ability to compete with the larger ones mm. so much like um yeah they're actually they've literally just done that to the tobacco industry um and i think that should be rolling through really soon but that that mm. regulation is already in place um and it's just yet to execute um where all the mom and pop type operators will be shut down and mm. it's only big business um, so people can take what they like with that um mm. It might help with regulation for sure. Like it might help more predictability for regulators to know what's going on. Mm. But um, what it certainly will mean is that small operators are going to have a harder time to operate. Mm. Um, Crazy. Yeah. On a flip, it'll, it'll be for people, businesses such as ourselves, um, who are already operating, it it's actually it, it's advantage in the sense that it's harder for people to get into the industry mm. and so because we're already operating it will serve us well in that sense um mm. so th there is like from business perspectives there's pros and cons um i don't like that pro though i want mm. new people to come into the industry because hopefully some new good ones come into the industry mm. and we can work with them because i like working with good people mm. yeah and the bad ones you can just run over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I don't know. We're, I wouldn't say we're running over, but um, but we're certainly, like, we, we try to pretend they're not there. And then um, mm. when their clearance vault opens again for the, um, I don't know, was it closed today? Anyway, um, but, yeah, when, when they pop up again, we have a little tiff and then we carry on. Mm. Nice. <laughs> I hope. I, I visual one of the bros um, and associated supplement business will listen to this because um, mm. we are friendly with a couple guys, even though they are on opposing um, fences. Mm. But yeah, me, sweet sheep. We've been yarning for a little while, so yeah. unless there's anything else specific you want to crack into, we could probably wrap it up. Oh, I just have. Uh, we can we can address this not too long, but um. Mm. 
you got a severe injury, and I think it's like it's worth uh, mentioning. And also, it's a lot of what we juggle around on the supplementing side. But mm. um, when you're training and you've got uh, actually, do you want to just quickly break down the deal with your hip? Mm. Yeah, so I've got like a genetic predisposition, which is basically called a cam type hip or a cambered hip, and it's where uh, my femur's a little longer um than most people in my uh ball and socket of my hip it doesn't sit quite correctly the the ball sits a little bit on towards the outer edge of the socket um and because of this most people's joints like rotate real nicely their ball and socket mine's on the outside a little bit and it rotates and rubs on that edge up there so i think because of uh all the training i've done and also like my job and um just yeah probably exercise and having that pre uh disposition my hip is pretty much i i hate defaulting to this like i hate saying it's stuffed because i always think you can improve your range and improve pain and make things better but basically it um i've got it's two tears yeah I've very got deteriorated two, yeah i've got two tears in the labrum which i don't i hate to think how long either of those are even been there um and the cartilage is very worn down um and what's happened is it's rubbed so much without having much cartilage in there it's gotten very arthritic and there's a bit of bone growing in there um and essentially the range it's painful but like it's i'm kind of used to the pain which sounds a little bit silly it's more just the lack of function like i i cannot pull i just cannot physically like raise my knee above like a 90 degree angle where on my right side and my right hip's probably not super healthy but i can like pull my knee up to my chest mm. my left side i like physically cannot yeah, pull it, it up further um and the other problems that kind of come with it is uh so i think your hip flexors go through and attach to the, the bottom of your spine and i think because of this what happens is when my hip flares up um aggravates my uh, sacroiliac joint on the left side you can kind of most people if you don't know what they are you can kind of feel each of them on on either side of your lower back um and so that just winds it up and then it kind of immobilizes my lower back and gets real inflamed and uh, i've kind of i've had several injuries since i've been training and like every other one i've been able to rehab without surgery um i had a like my shoulder was pretty bad at one point but i completely rehabbed that um I had a, a meniscus injury, but I was able to completely rehab that. So my mentality with my hip was always like, I'm going to be able to get this better without surgery. I'm going to be able to get this better. Mm. Um, and so because of that, I probably didn't start getting it treated by a physio as soon as I should have. Mm. And I continued to try and train at a really high standard to the point where I was like, okay, I can't rehab this um, yeah. by myself. And I think I've been... Uh, this is actually quite bad but i kind of noticed it was bad in like 2019 uh and i started getting treated for it uh probably mid 2021 and then got an mri done when the treatment wasn't really working and figured out how significant it was um and so now i'm kind of in this weird spot where i just i uh, was applied for surgery and that got declined and now 
I've supposedly gone on a waiting list to the public hospital, but that's been like yeah, how almost two months and haven't heard anything about that. So basically like the public system, like there's nothing I can do kind of, and which is pretty shit. Um, and I think I can see why a lot of people get real frustrated by the system and discouraged. And um, I, I think again, not to toot my own horn, I just, I just don't know any other way, but most people in my position would probably just give up exercising and certainly wouldn't keep working the job I'm, I'm working now. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just do not know any different. Like I just feel like I have to train and I have to exercise and that's just it. Um, yeah. So I, I guess, guess, well, what the feed in on that though. So because you are training with that and exercising, but now mm. you're being more conscious around it. Mm. Uh, well, you can kind of see that with your kind of quite unique mm. range of exercises that you incorporate in, mm. or at, at the very least, it's diverse, if, um, mm. if not purely unique. I'm sure you're drawing inspiration from elsewhere. Mm. But um, how how would you encourage other people to work around injuries? Is probably like, mm. is there an approach that you've kind of got and like to manage the system that you've really planned out over time, or you know, not necessarily planned, but um, you know, you're feeling feedback. Mm. So, uh, the guy talked about briefly at the start of the podcast, Dave Wood, I had had a bit of a consult with him and he said to me, um, he said, I probably just need, cause he said, I probably just need to take a step back and assess the situation and rethink my way forward rather than just defaulting to, I need a hip replacement because that is quite significant. Um, Mm. and he started asking me about, what was my level of stress like um and how do i deal with that stress and that was probably about 10 days ago almost two weeks and and i've started to think one what i do is i i deal with my stress by training yeah and training training hard the the problem is is mentally that's great but physically training is another stress um and so what i've found is that you know i'm always just putting stress on myself whether it's positive or negative or whether i mentally feel great it doesn't really matter i'm just always redlining always putting the foot down always like emptying the tank and i think in terms of injuries what i should have done earlier on is you know tried to be a lot more efficient i think i used to i still probably do but i especially a few years ago i trained way too frequently i trained way too much volume and when things weren't going my way or like I plateaued or I wasn't getting the progress I I thought I should have had, mm-hmm. I just tried to go harder. And as a result, I probably ended up spinning my wheels. And that's mm. probably why I've got the level of cartilage loss at my age I yeah. do. And so what I would say now is if I could go back, I wish I just tried to be more efficient. I wish I tried to take a step back when maybe I plateaued or I had a niggle or I first felt the injury. If I took a step back and say, okay, how did this happen exactly? Um, and how do I best problem solve this going forward? Because, you know, I didn't do that. I kind of just tried to go harder. Like mm. I'll give a great example before the bigger lockdowns, I kind of felt my hip get kind of pretty bad. Went home, still trained during, trained during lockdown when we first got back open, I was so excited to get back to the gym. 
I straight away like started doing this. Like I was training straight away weights six days a week. I was like kickboxing in the morning and my split was like push, pull, legs, push, pull, legs, everything heavy, everything trying to progress like and progressively overload. And that was just stupid. Like that was, that was dumb, you know? And, um, but it I think, felt good and it was exciting at the time. Yeah, I freaking that, loved it. Yeah, but yeah, now, there's a, yeah, there's a reason you did it though. That's yeah. why I'm trying to like pass out here. It's like yeah. it was stupid, but we do stupid things for a reason. Mm. Um, mm. And I think that's good to acknowledge. Mm. Um, and then the the other thing I would say though is like, gets and again it, this relate but relates back to being a discerning consumer because you can find all sorts of people with this, but. You need to try and find someone who can help you problem solve your injury, you know. And and I was lucky, like I did end up finding a really good physio. Her name's Ann Wilson down Dunedin. I've got about ten cl- current clients that still go to her at the mm-hmm. moment, and she's awesome. And and she helped mitigate my injury, but I had already got to the stage where it was the damage was already pretty done. Yeah. Um, and what I what would have been great is if I was getting treated sooner and I probably had someone to help me navigate those problems a little bit more and when you start getting into a higher level of training sometimes you literally need the best people in the country to help you out with that and I never had that you know I grew up playing team sports but I was never at a like academy level or semi-professional level where I had good I never had coaches. I never had trainers. I never had anyone helping me. Mm. Um, and that's been to my detriment. And so I would say, if you feel like you're having a problem solving injury, really try and be diligent and be discerning and seek out someone who knows better than you that can help yeah. you, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a good feed on is that um, talking around injuries and we, between us, talk around supplementation for injury for you quite a lot. But one of the first things that if someone comes to us with an injury that I'm looking to it is like, do you have someone who understands what's going on and a strategy going on there? Uh, before you jump into products and all of that sort of thing, how is the understanding of the injury? Do you have a, because the biggest part is how you are going to treat it and how you're going to. Uh, help recover it and I'm, I'm talking a bit out of my bounds here but these are basic high level things that um uh, matt at connect osteo he's great on this stuff but that's just like training and eating well that is the bulk of being a good bodybuilder or a good mm. athlete the supplements certainly help as i would say but there's a reason like oj now supplements did not make him the specimen of an athlete he is now that was hard training and good eating and then Mm. the supplements helped um and i would say the same kind of goes around with injuries is that it's like the bulk is how people are treating it and if they have a good approach to helping solve that issue um before you jump into supplementing with things and ideally what i always really like when supplementing around injuries is that if there can be a bit of a feedback to and fro between myself, I can say, what does your, mm. what does your uh, advisor or healthcare practitioner, what do they think of this? And then we can bounce back and forth. That's the dream mm. scenario. Um, it's, it's not like, it's not like that medical practice mm. has zero place. And 
unfortunately, yeah, when you get to a point, it's like in your case, you might need a surgery eventually, but you could also improve situations now with lifestyle considerations. Mm. Um, I'm going to just pass a couple of things that I noted from what you were talking about, though, too. One of the big things was the taking a step back mm. and having a reassess rather than the more is always better, push harder approach, which I can identify with because whenever I have issues, I also push harder. Mm. Uh, I, I just recently talked about, like, a, not bullshit, but a, a humorous sort of story thing where mm. I was trying to get a stump out. I broke my tool that I was using because I was being stupid because I was just like, more is better. Mm. More is not always better. It's way better to take a reassessment and actually work out the right tool for the job and where we need to dive in. Mm. And then um, quality over quantity is a bit more is always better. But um, mm. you, you kind of talking like you're training a lot in a brute manner. Whereas if you maybe selected a few less trainings, you could still train, mm. but it's focusing on a bit more quality aspects. Would that e- follow? E- efficiency. Yeah. Because, um, and you've got to think like, no one thinks about this when they're 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. But like, you have got a body that's going to expire and it's only got so much use. You know, you've only got so much cartilage, your bones and your structure only has so much wear and tear. Yes, we can get more out of that by certain means, but there's, there's only yeah. so much we can do. And yeah. that, like, that's a conversation that we know more than anything is that mm. I'm like, I'm trying to help where we can. And one of our biggest winners mm. with you is, is trying to handle that hip, but there mm. is only so much we can do. Um, mm. And that would apply to the surgery too. The surgery comes with costs. It comes mm. with a massive inflammation load and invasive things that your body is going to have to deal with um, mm. at when, well, you know, if and when. Um, I think the other thing too is that when we're seeing all this Instagram and stuff and all the coaches that are the top of the top maybe bodybuilding or athletes and everything and they're like you've got to train like a savage you've got to be go all out I agree absolutely true to be in their position however are you anywhere close to their position Um, like not you specifically but uh, a person watching the Joe Bloggs, who is kind of, he just missed a few days in the gym and he wants to jump to be the absolute animal savage, like mm. the best, like one of the guys I really enjoyed this, Tom Hemming in the UK, he's, he's mm. just goes all out. Mm. Um, he's all about intensity and just getting in there. Um, mm. And UK has a bit of a scene for that. Uh, Georgia, local here, um, she's very intense in her training. And what I really respect about her, she also had a severe injury. She has been quite intentional. I think she's done a very good job as far as I can see and talked with her. And we've had a bit of discussion around it, but she's, she, she has carefully considered it, mm. um, the injury and worked around it, but she still managed to be an animal in other mm. aspects. Um, so I think that it's not always time to be an animal and that's mm. not very exciting conversation but especially around injuries maybe not always time to be an animal i, also, I always sorry to interject. Oh, yeah. i say and i have worked with several athletes and like several professional athletes now um and the one thing i've noticed and it's something i got wrong because i did play a lot of sports coming up 
and I do like to compete um, in sports and competition and I like that side of sport but and even just watching sport playing sport studying sport I feel like the trait the best athletes have like the very best in their sport uh the athletes who know when to put the foot down but when to pull it off yeah and i'll just use bodybuilding example because it's maybe a bit more relevant to supplements and what we're talking about without a doubt because i have paid especially in previous years a lot of attention to the sport of bodybuilding the best bodybuilders are the ones that know when to put the foot down maybe lead into the competition or certain weeks of their preparation but then they also know when to pull the foot off the gas ease up on the pds ease up on the food chill on the training taper the intensity down because they understand that for them to be their best when they need to be their best they need to do that you can't just jump in a sports car and just chuck your foot on the gas and leave it there because you're just you're going to crash you know you you have to turn you have to slow down and then accelerate going through a corner like it's not just red line all the time or even if you controlled that sports car amazingly and never crashed, that engine's going to blow. Yeah. Um, and that's out of your control. Mm. Um, my son is waking up. Um, that probably would be a close to a good wrap-up time. Yeah, nice. Uh, one thing I'd like to emphasize on that too, you mentioned PUDs. These mm. guys training like an absolute savage, mm. they're usually using PUDs too. Mm. And so, and there goes the mother. Um, uh they're usually using PEDs too, and mm. that uh, that allows them to train and recover better for that at mm. the time. That and and they all know it. That comes with a cost, and that's often costs that people do mm. not see on the Instagram side. Mm. They're not looking at uh, how the liver or heart structural changes are occurring mm. over time, and yeah. so I I love this train like a savage mentality. Mm. I enjoy. That's that's how I really have fun, and I think everyone has fun training. But um, mm. when you got injuries and other things, like consider real life situations. Yeah, for sure. Mean. Cool. Awesome. Oh, I appreciated this, man. Plenty yeah, t- plenty of takeaway from that. But yeah. um, I was just gonna say, just for uh, for anyone who's listening, if you've got any questions on anything we touched about, you can uh, contact or reach out to me at Unbroken performance underscore nz on instagram or to tom and the team if you've got any specific supplement questions they're probably your go-to or just uh anything we've touched on you can follow them on instagram at the cave nutrition store dot nz and you um, could probably if they just want very specific questions they can feed in messages directly to me at thomas yeah. kirk um the cave nz very good for business related you want to ask about a product we have or you know things in stock um, if you're just kind of keen to talk some mechanisms and other biology, then you can message me directly. Man, awesome. Sweet. Cool. All right, we'll call it there.